Turn to the book of John in the New Testament as we start a new series today called Jesus Light of the World. Bob, that's our commitment to you and Valerie and the kids is that as the Lord brings you to mind, regardless of where that would be, that we would pause to pray for you during this time. I had somebody call me this past week that said, did I happen to hear you correctly, that there was somebody from our church family that was headed to Mosul? And I said, yes. And he goes, he can't go there. And I said, why do you say that? Do you know what's going on there? And I said, yes. He said, he can't go there. There's very dangerous over there. And I said, I know that. I know that. And, um, but it is very dangerous where you're going. But uh, God's protection, some of the most dangerous places, it's amazing how God's hand is there. And there's an amazing story that you shared with us the other day uh, that I thought was very unique about someone that your son had met that was just there. Um, and how they served the past six months there and how it was a great experience. So thank you. Um, How many of you would say that Christmas is one of your most favorite times of the year? Probably most of us in this room would say that Christmas is that time of the year that we look forward to. um, An awesome time of the year. But on the other hand, it can be really, really difficult. Um... For some, probably more difficult than others. Just in the past week, I've had conversations, and it's amazing the amount of tensions that can come about at this time of the year that can rise to the top. Sometimes it's because maybe of of, uh, people within the sphere of influence that we have that, that we can't change, or maybe it's because of the loss, uh, the pain of loss, Um, there are some of you here that have lost loved ones and this time of the year brings about that amount of pain I've even read stuff on Facebook even as late as last night where this time of the season brings about difficulty or maybe it's because of the expectations that can be placed on you that you'll never be able to to be able to live up to Or you may, after a period of time, you may find out that in the midst of everything that's going on, that you're the center of dysfunction. (laughs) You're the center of confusion. That's the reality. But at Christmas, the most awesome time of the year, it's the most awesome time of the year, not necessarily because of what's going on in and around us, but it's what happened 2,000 years ago when our Heavenly Father sent his son Jesus Christ to be born among us. That's why we celebrate Christmas. And you know, when, when Jesus becomes the center of our lives, when we receive him as personal Savior, it's, it's amazing the stability that he has a way of providing amidst the chaos of life. Are you with me? That in the midst of the chaos and in the midst of the dysfunction and the midst of confusion, that in the midst of all of that, there's a stability that comes. And not only stability, there's a hope and there's a sense of purpose. So Christmas is an awesome time of the year, not just because of who is with us, but also because of who is for us. 
Christ is for us. And this is what I'm reminded of, that it is regardless of how dark the situation may be that we may be facing today, Jesus is the light of the world. He is the light of the world. And I'm reminded today in this season that he is hope and amidst the darkness that there is hopeless. There's, there's hope in the hopelessness. Now, if you've grown up in church, which some of you in here have and some of you in here haven't grown up in and around the church, this is what I want you to know, that in the New Testament, the first four books that we find, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are what's called the Gospels. They tell us about the life of Jesus. The book of Matthew and the book of Luke give us the birth narrative of the birth of Jesus. They talk to us about some of the details. The book of Mark doesn't start with the book of doesn't start with the birth narrative, but the book of Mark starts with really the announcement of John the Baptist telling that the Messiah is coming and then quickly moves to Jesus' baptism and his ministry. But the book of John is quite different in itself. Writes from a different angle. And every one of those gospel writers write from their perspective, from what they saw, from their own from their own differences, but the book of John is so, so different than the others. And I love what John has to say and, and how he writes about Jesus himself. And maybe John's gospel is just a little bit different because when John wrote what he had to write, John was an older man. Now, as I look across the room, we have some older men. I don't want to point them out, but they usually have gray or no hair. I'm moving in that direction very fast. And as you spend time with older men, this is what you get to know. Older men have seen a lot. They've experienced a lot. As a young man, you think you know everything. You think you've experienced everything. As an older man, you begin to, to know a little bit more, not because of your intelligence, but because of what you've experienced firsthand. And so here we are, John, an older man, having written the book of John. As a matter of fact, John probably wrote this somewhere some 50 to 55 years after the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. John's an old man, probably the, probably the only uh, surviving of the disciples at this time. So there's so many things that John had seen, and John writes down inside of the gospel just like a man who was passionate, so passionate about what he wanted to write down and record so that he knew that the generations behind him would hear the stories that he had personally experienced. Imagine the stories that John could sit and tell as they would sit around the fire. I mean, I can imagine the stories that Ted could sit. I love to spend time with older people. I love to spend time with Jerry and listen to stories. I mean, I love to spend time just talking with God. You know, when Bob gets back, Bob's going to have some great stories to tell because of his personal experiences. And I can imagine what it would have been like sitting with John around a campfire, having the opportunity to engage him in some conversations about what it was like to listen to the teachings of Jesus, to have sat back and to watch Jesus as he performed miracles, to sit back as he heard Jesus teach, as he watched people as they as they listened and as their lives were radically changed. 
And John was, was one that knew Jesus so well that, that John was able to reduce Jesus and God down to one specific word. And we find that word in 1 John, another one of his writings, and maybe you've heard this before. When he talked about God, he said that God is love. He knew him so well, knew him so intimately and personally that he was able to reduce that relationship and that characteristic down to one thing, that God was love. And at that time in his life, being an older man, I guess we'd have to say this, there's no telling the amount of people, friends and family that John had lost up until this time. I can't imagine the number of friends that John had lost, not just because that they had died of old age, but the number of friends that had lost their lives because of their faith in Christ Jesus. The number of friends that had been crucified or the number of friends whose lives had been taken or the number of lives that had been placed in slavery because of their faith in Jesus. See, John lived during a time when Nero was emperor of Rome. John lived during a time when, when the temple was destroyed and when Jerusalem was burned. John lived during a time where men and women were beaten and they were crucified and they were, their bodies were hung on the streets and burned. That's the time that John lived. See, John lived during a time when, when people... When they say, and historians, they differ in some, but they say that during that time frame, over a million Jews lost their lives. And hundreds of thousands of others, men, women, and children, were taken captive and put into slavery. That's what John had saw. Starvation was rampant. Disease was rampant. But in spite of all the chaos... In spite of all the destruction that John himself had saw and recognized that John is an older man now and he's writing these later on in his life, John pins these words. As a matter of fact, it was near the end of the, end of the, of the writing of the book of John in chapter 21, verse 25, that this is what John had to say. Jesus did many other things as well. And in his writings, there were six specific signs or six specific uh, miracles that, that John recorded that Jesus had done. And I'll list them for you really quickly. These are not in your notes. But it would turn the water into wine in John chapter 2, the healing of the official son in John chapter 4, the, the healing of the crippled man in John chapter 5, the feeding of the 5,000 in John chapter 6, the walking on the water, John chapter 6, a little bit later, the healing of the blind man in John chapter 9, and the raising of Lazarus from the dead in John chapter 11. But I love it what he goes on to say. He says this, but if if every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would have been written. Can you imagine what John must have saw, seen, and experienced as an older man? And he's writing some of these things down to say, I don't want you to ever forget. I don't want you to forget this. And John says, it's like he's saying, listen, after you read the accounts of what actually happened, my prayers aren't this, that just, not that you're just amazed or impressed by who Jesus was or what Jesus is, but somewhere along the line that you would become to a place that you would have an intimate relationship, a personal relationship with an almighty God, and that Jesus would become more to you. He would become more to you, and through him you would have eternal life. 
And so when John begins his book, he didn't start with the narrative of Jesus. That's not how he started. He didn't start with the birth narrative. But we have to know that John had heard the birth narrative over and over and over again because it was there at the cross that Jesus looked down at John and says, John, I want you to take care of my mother. And it was there that Jesus looked down at Mary and he says, Mary, I want you to receive John as your son. And can you imagine what it would have been like after that? And we don't know the amounts of time, but what it would have been like going home with Mary and hearing the stories over and over and over again that they would have conversed about. Can you imagine what it would have been to John to sit down? Because I know that he would have had to have been inquisitive just like I would have been. Mary, would you tell me just a little bit more? What was it like when that angel showed up? What were you thinking? I mean, what was going on in your mind? Weren't you afraid? Weren't you afraid of what everybody else was thinking? Tell me more. And I can imagine the story after story after story that was told time and time and time again. As John listened to Mary and as she spoke. And if there was anybody that had the opportunity to ask Mary questions about the birth of Jesus in those early days that we don't know that much about. It would have been John. It would have been John. And so John doesn't begin the story with shepherds and he doesn't begin the story with sheep or, or, or uh, a baby Jesus in a manger or wise men. That's not how he starts. He doesn't start with Herod and he doesn't start with young baby boys being slaughtered. But John starts out differently because he begins with the significance of Jesus. The significance in the birth of Jesus. And just like there were dark days, dark days when John wrote the gospel and he penned those words, John reminded us that in the days that Jesus was born, there was very, very dark times. That's what he did. Just in the days that John wrote those words down, he says, I want to remind you that in those days that Jesus was born, it was extremely dark and it was difficult. And when he sat down to write and he talked about the, the narrative and the details, this is what he said, and you've got to listen so closely. Because in a season when our lives can be so discombobulated and man, it can be so dysfunctional and our lives can be just so uh, disproportionate and complicated, and dysfunctional, John said this, John chapter 1 verse 4, he said, in him, in him, Jesus, in him, the word, the creator of the universe, who was with us, God, and was God. He said, in him was life. In the Greek, that word is zoa, which means the fullness of life, everything. Everything that we could ever dream or imagine. He said in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. It was Jesus himself that said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father except through me. It was Jesus that said, I have come, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But John said in him, Jesus, in the word was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. 
Jesus was the light of all. Now you got to understand the significance of this because early on it was those Jews who believed that the Messiah was just coming for who? The Jews. But now here John later on in his life is saying what? Who was the light coming for? For all. For all mankind. Not some. Not a certain group of people. But that light was coming for all mankind. Fulfilling the prophecies that had been foretold in the Old Testament. Like in the book of Isaiah that the people who would walk in darkness would see a great light. For those who live live in a land of deep darkness, a light would shine. For all mankind, he brought a light that was for all mankind. See, John was there when, when Jesus rose from the dead. See, John was there after the resurrection. John was there after people gathered. And he was asked the question, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? John was there when he stood amongst those disciples and he declared to them, that they were to go into the world and preach the gospel. And they were to declare that and, and go out and, and to baptize people. He was there when all this was going on. John was there. John was there. And look at what he says in verse 5. The light shines in the darkness. We think we've got dark days. Financial issues, political issues, a fire in Gatlinburg, and yes, it's dark for some, wars going on, things that are happening around the world with disasters, natural disasters, dark days. John knew exactly what darkness was all about. We can't imagine how dark it was, but in spite of all the darkness, all that he'd experienced with those that had been beaten, those that had suffered, those that had been crucified, the cries that he had heard in his own ears, those that had been taken into slavery. We can't imagine how dark it had been for that Jewish nation. And yet in the midst of all of that, this is what John said, in spite of the darkness, the light shines in the darkness. And he says, and the darkness, as hard as it tried to put it out, to cover it up, to blow it out, he says, the darkness has not overcome it. <laughs> this is a guy that had gotten news that Peter had been executed, that Paul had been executed. This is a guy that experienced it all. And here's John, later in his life, probably the only surviving apostle. And in spite of everything that he had seen and everything that he had experienced, that all the darkness had done trying to get rid of the light. And John says, no. Darkness cannot overwhelm it. Darkness cannot put it out. Caesar can't do it. Herod can't do it. Tiberius can't do it. The death of Jesus. The destruction of the temple. None of those things. None of those things. And here's John in these latter years of his life, writing that verse. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And that life was the light of all mankind. 
<laughs> so, you know, at Christmas, as we get ready to celebrate the season that is full of excitement, what I've come to learn is that the older you get, it seems like the tensions and the stresses become more and more and more. Right? Yeah. But in the midst of that, in the midst of all of that, the recognition of the fact that there are issues in life that we can't solve, there are going to be things dealing with people and family going on that we can't handle. It's just the way it is. There are going to be losses that we experience, the pain of dealing with loss and abandonment. We can't fix. We can't overcome. There's going to be other issues going on in life with expectations. If there's ever a time of stress, it's during the time of the holiday seasons. We're getting together with family and the expectations that are there. And yet in the midst of all of that, this is what John said. That in spite of the darkness, we are reminded that Jesus is the light. That he is the life that overcomes the darkness. And there is hope. There's hope. And there's reason to believe. And this is the season that reminds us that we can wake up regardless of how dark it may be. And we can take the next step. And you know what makes this the most awesome time of the year? John, it's not what's happening in and around us. Because if it were based on what's happening in and around us, we could probably all get pretty discouraged after a moment in time. But it's not about what's happening in and around us. It's about what happened 2,000 years ago. That's why we celebrate this season. That should be our focus. The birth of a Savior. The reason for the season. That Jesus is the light. And regardless, if we hang those lights and we spend hours and hours and hours trying to impress our neighbors, or whether or not we get one of those little forty-nine ninety-five jobs and we plug it in the ground, whatever it is that we see those lights, we're reminded that Jesus is the light of the world. And in him is life. And the darkness cannot overcome it. That's important. Because some of us in here, this season can be awful tough. Awful tough. So today, Jesus is the light of the world. He is the light of the world. And when you see those sparkling lights, or they're just that one color white light that everybody seems to be going to, may you be reminded of that. And in seeing those lights, would you be reminded of the truth, of the words of Jesus? He is the light. He is the light. I want to pray with you today. Can I do that? Father, as we close today, I'm just reminded as 
we begin this series. In talking just about the words of John, in all the things that he had seen and experienced, yet he held on. He was a human being just like us, and he dealt with pain, and he dealt with discouragement, and here he is, an older man, isolated and writing at this time. Father, I just want to say thank you for sustaining him, for giving him the strength to pen these words, to inspire him to write these words, to remind us of the truths. To remind us that in such dark times that you are our life and that you are our light. That things aren't as dark for us as it was back for John back then. And Father, that over the years, because of your word, you've given us the privilege of having the experiences of sight and sounds and of a man who experienced a personal walk with you through, through what he had penned. A man who wrote, who wrote down those experiences as he spent time with the light of the world. Jesus. My prayer, Father, is that as we walk through these next several weeks, and as we celebrate the Christmas season, we would be reminded of that because it's during this time of the year that so many pressures can come upon us with schedules, the aches and pains of relations, financial stresses because of expectations. Father, I just pray that you would allow us the opportunity to navigate through all the complexities that may end up surfacing. But in the midst of all that, we'd not lose sight of who you are and why we celebrate this season. That there is a risen Savior who is the light of the world. Who is the light of all mankind, as John wrote, and who brings life. If there's someone here today that doesn't know Jesus in a personal way, my prayer is that during this time, during these next few weeks, maybe even today, that person may be willing to open themselves up to recognize their sinfulness and to cry out to Jesus and to say, Jesus, I believe that you are the light, that my hope is not in anything else. My hope's not in my family. My hope is not in my finances. My hope is not in my friends, but today I've recognized that my hope is in you. So I pray that for, for the non-believer that may be here, the person that has never come to that place of saying, yes, Jesus, I believe and I want to follow you. I ask that maybe in that today somebody may come to me and say, I want to know more what it's like to have a personal relationship with Jesus. For those of us that are believers, though, maybe this is just a reminder. Just a reminder. Because it's easy to be distracted. It's easy to get down and discouraged. Would you remind, be, would you remind us very, very clearly 
today that you are the light of the world and in the midst of darkness, darkness cannot overcome the light. So Father, would you take us through these next few weeks and would you encourage us and may as we look at those Christmas lights and as we hang them on our houses and as we drive through the cities, every time we see those lights, may we be reminded of why we celebrate and who is the light of the world, that Jesus is the light. In your name we pray. Amen.